folks, and welcome to Christ in Every Word, a podcast of the Concordia Bible Institute housed on the beautiful campus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is your opportunity to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the sacred scriptures with me, Dr. Brian German, Associate Professor of Theology here at the University and the Director of the Concordia Bible Institute. We are cruising through the book of Genesis. Chapter 18 is on the docket today. Kind of a doozy, pretty long. Uh, Two main parts. We'll talk about that as we move along. Last time, circumcision, uh, just a big deal. Eighth day, we talked about all this, right? Um, The parallels to baptism being made new. And, well, what happens in chapter 18 once you are (laughs) brought into the fold— once you are uh, grafted into the fellowship of Christ's holy people, we talk, again, just listen to the last podcast for more on that, uh, by means of being marked as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. Well, it's time for a meal. That's chapter 18. Kind of an odd intro to this. The Lord appeared to him. Now, wait a minute. Okay, so the Lord appeared to Abe doesn't always happen. Sometimes the Lord just speaks to Abe. This time we have an appearance. Now, this is a big deal. We talked about this in chapter 12, that uh, the Lord appeared to Abe when he was in the promised land. And so we have a visual, and he builds an altar, and that is Christian worship. The Lord first does something, acts on our behalf, and then we, in respond, in response to that, uh, we worship. We thanks, We give thanks and praise and so on. And here we have another appearance. Now, I'll say more about this circumcision uh, connection here in a second. But the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. And they said, do as you have said. Now that is fascinating. Okay. Uh, First things first. The Lord appears to him by this well-known tree in the promised land. We're going to see this tree feature in several times here. Now, why all this attention on the oaks of Mamre? Well, you just got to know that there's a well-known tree. Everybody knows where that is. Everybody refers to it. It's just taken for granted. Moses writes that oaks of Mamre. Everybody knows that's where people hang out. That is where you gather. That's the place to be. This well-known tree in the promised land, that is also the place where the Lord appears. Now, the Lord could be present. Of course, he is present everywhere in all of creation. But he appears to Abe, does something very special, draws near in a way that, uh, unlike any other presence all over creation, where this tree is. That's where the Lord wants to appear to Abe and be close to Abe where this tree is in the promised land as Abe sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day uh, you want to hang out in the tents um, the people who want to build cities in Genesis usually doesn't go very well think Tower of Babel 
All the good guys, the ones living by faith, they dwell in tents. Shem has tents. Noah, we talked about his tent. Abe has tents all over the place. Jacob will be known as a man living in tents. That's because heaven is their home. They don't grow roots here. Their citizenship is in a much greater tent, the tent made flesh who dwelt among us. And so Abe knows that in the heat of the day, when things are tough and the afflictions of this world are burning, this language, heat of the day, the afflictions of God's people, they hang out in the place where God's glory dwells, the habitation of his house. And that's where the Lord appears, and that is where this tree is. He sat by the door, so his tent is by this tree. Stay close to the tree, stay close to the tent, and in the midst of that heat, affliction, whatever it is, the Lord draws near. Abe sees three men. Now, this is the thing about it. I mean, does this sound familiar? We've got three, we've got one, we've got three, we've got one. Now, this is the connection to circumcision, and that, and that is, I mean, he refers to them as the Lord, right? He appeared, Why does the Lord appear as three men? Okay, three men, and yet the language here is the Lord, singular, appeared. And Abe says, O Lord, right? And so the business here throughout the text, grammatically even, as you look at it, there's a they and a he and a they and a he. There's a one and a three and a one and a three. And so there is, after circumcision, this community, this fellowship with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Luther had a big song and dance about, are we supposed to see the Trinity in this three or not? And he said, well, I mean, yes and no. You don't use something like this to prove the doctrine of the Trinity, but you do look at something like this and say, well, this, this is reflective in some ways of that very teaching. It anticipates it, the threefoldness of the one Godhead. And so, of course, I mean, why three, right? And why as men? And so we have this three and one, three and one. And this is what happens when you're brought into the fellowship, circumcision, baptism. What happens? Well, you're in the community with the triune God. He draws near and there's water and there's bread. Physical, tangible elements this God is who's three and one is interested in (laughs) water so that I can wash your feet. Does it sound familiar? This is straight up what we see with Peter, our Lord, Monday, Thursday, the servants should be washing his feet. Notice the reversal. Jesus starts washing their feet and he wants them to do likewise at the end of that. This is um, over in uh, John chapter 13. You can read about this. Go and do likewise. Abe beat him to the punch. Abe knows this business before we get to the Gospel of John, and that is washing of feet. So he deals with water, and then also, let's have a meal. When the Lord is in your midst, this is the culmination of his dwelling with you. He wants to dine with you. This is why the Bible ends with, the marriage feast and the between the lamb and his kingdom that has no end. There's a great banquet, and that's why the culmination of our Lord's uh, sacraments for us, that's, that's at the Lord's Supper. On the night he was betrayed, took bread, and so on. Um, as often as you do this, 
you proclaim my death until I come. This is the foretaste of the feast to come. And that is exact. So circumcised, baptized, Abe gets in on the fact that he is in this community now. When the Lord draws near, of course we should be having a meal. Of course there should be water and bread. This is the kind of Lord that we have. He is the incarnate Lord, the one who takes on physical flesh to dwell among us. So we should also celebrate the Lord's presence among us with his physical, tangible elements, water, bread, wine, um, through which he has promised to give forgiveness, life, and salvation. So Abe goes quickly and says to Sarah, make three cakes, one for each, right? We have this three C as a fine flour, knead it and make cakes. Abe then takes a sacrifice. Notice this eating and this washing is connected to a sacrifice. The robes in Revelation are dipped in blood. They're made white by the blood of the lamb. You can't disconnect the sacrifice from these physical, tangible elements that the Lord's people enjoy. So Abe gets the sacrifice. He's the priest here, of course. He's the He's the pastor. He's the one that's that's the uh, what the head of the church. You might say the church is putting together what it needs to to make this happen. Sarah's the altar guild. Is that right? <laughs> Abe goes and uh, and he takes this the calf that he prepared, sets it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like uh, it sounds like Moses also, doesn't it? At Mount Sinai. He takes up Nadab and Abihu and 70 elders. They beheld God. They ate and drank. They ate and drank with God. Here Abe is um, staying by the tree while they ate. And there's just there's the tree, there's the water, there's the bread, there's the sacrifice, the Lord, Abe, great stuff. There's also intercession throughout this chapter. Abe intercedes for Sarah, Abe intercedes for Sodom, we'll talk about later. And so they speak to, I mean, this is the Lord's word coming through the one who's called and ordained to speak it. The Lord speaks to Abe, where is Sarah, your wife? And he says she's exactly where she should be in the tent that is dwelling in the place of where God's people dwell. I mean, again, tent throughout Genesis, we've talked about that. Lord says, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abe and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself and said, Am I worn out? After I am worn out, excuse me, and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return to you. About this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. It's a fascinating little back and forth. Again, the intercession is key here. Abe intercedes. With Mary, it was what? Greetings, O favored one. You have the angel, Gabriel with this news and a and and Mary has this back and forth interaction with Gabriel Sarah here gets the news through Abe this is the kind of news that again will be preached through the priesthood 
to the church of all times and places. And so Sarah is uh, told of this, presumably by Abe, even though we'll hear here that she overhears it. Okay, so that's the, I mean, what, the first thing about this intercession is that it's a message spoken to Abe that it will, it's assumed then that it'll, it'll then be proclaimed. Why don't you just tell Sarah herself and get Abe out of here? Thanks for the meal, Abe. That's your part. Now I'll talk to, now I have something to say. Can I, can you excuse me, Abe? I'm going to talk to Sarah one-on-one, please. Um, no, it's, I have something to say about Sarah and it's presumed that that would be spoken and proclaimed and taught and sung about and reflected on and Psalms will be written about it and so on as Abe preaches this, that she will have a son. We've heard of the promise, you know, the promise to Eve and the promise through, through Abe and so on. Now it's, we're told explicitly, this is, Sarah will have a son, that this promise will be extended and carried on through Sarah's having of a son. Sarah laughs because this is what the church does when we are confronted with uh, God's promises in the midst of totally opposite appearances. We think, is this really, is he really going to pull this off? The Lord has promised to be with me and I am suffering. The Lord has promised a blessing and yet uh, I am in mourning. The Lord uh, has given his gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation, and I just feel depressed, and so on. And so she laughs, thinking, is this really the case? Look at the empty pew. This is the church. Look at the empty pews. Look at the persecution. Look at how our, our culture hates us. Look at how we can't even be in step with them, you know, unless we're on the cutting edge and we cater to the times and embrace all the junk that's out there. Is the Lord really going to pull off what he said? This just seems so grandiose, doesn't it? Am I going to have the kind of everlasting joy that you've talked about? It just seems so distant. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At this time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Notice the Lord's presence is involved in this special son. I will return to you. How will this be, Mary says? The Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and the power of the Most High will come upon you. Right? There's a spe- I'm present everywhere. That's what it means. I'm God. That's how it works. And yet I am going to be present with you in a very special way. You will give birth to the Messiah. Then the men set out from there. They looked down towards Sodom. I mean, this is the. There's only two ways to go here. One is in the fellowship of of uh, of the saints, the one church that lives in heaven and earth, or it's what's headed toward destruction. There is no in between here. So the men go from there, and then the destruction follows. It's just like Isaiah. The the promises are beautiful. New heaven, new earth is a done deal. The banquet. But the last verse of the book of Isaiah, after 66 chapters, is, but they will go on and look at the destruction. The bodies will burn. It's just, it's, that's part of the other side of the, of, the, of the coin here, that the most unfortunate reality that not all will, will accept this wonderful gift of our Lord's presence and meal and so on. So they go down toward Sodom. Abe goes with them, even though there is this destruction that will happen. Abe tags along because the priesthood is always interceding on behalf of the ungodly 
Send out your salvation to all the nations, O Lord. Cause your light to shine among the people who sit even now in darkness. The Lord says, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abe shall surely be a great nation, mighty nation? All the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. I love how the Lord quotes himself. The word of the Lord endures forever. The Lord speaks his word, and he reads it, and marks it, and learns it, and inwardly digests it. He references it. He quotes it. He alludes to it and says, this is what I have said. And so also, all heaven and earth is focused on his word made flesh into eternity. Keep your eyes fixed on the word. Everybody is, including the Lord himself. And in this, you see a kind of uh, revealing of his heartstrings here. Should I hide from him what I am about to do? This is the, the Lord's gracious and merciful slow to anger, not wanting all to to die. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but wants all to, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so he's patient. And he's not slow, as some count slowness, but he's wanting all to come to repentance. And he shows here that he doesn't, really want to do this as it were. When Lamentations talks about how the Lord does not willingly bring grief, it's all things are in his hand and he necessarily works all things, and yet at the same time he doesn't. I take no delight in this kind of stuff, and I don't even want you to see this kind of stuff. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? The outcry, although, Lord says, the outcry is great, though, and their sin is very grave. I will go down there to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come upon me. And if not, I will know. I mean, doesn't he know already? And yet he gives more time, and yet he looks carefully, and yet he, and yet he gives this uh, nudge, or he gives that uh, warning, as it were, occasions for repentance. Um, he works through all things in order to in his own time and in his own way, bring people to repentance. And so he has this, I mean, it's kind of like chapter 15, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. The Lord is bearing with this situation. And he's not taking delight in what's about to happen to Sodom. He doesn't think that, I mean, should I hide from Abraham? Should I even reveal to him how this is all going to go? Because it tears me up too. I'm not just this sort of, capricious deity who sits up in the heaven. Oh, I love these people. I hate these people. You know, it's just not, not true to his nature and his character. And so the Lord's heartstrings are really on display here as, uh, as we move towards Sodom. My goodness, I'm overdue for a break. Don't want to get in trouble here in the old podcast room. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll be back in just a moment to the Concordia Bible Institute podcast. In the meantime, I'd like to have you consider this question. What is most important in higher education? How do you prioritize all the knowledge to be gained at an institution of higher learning? Concordia University, Wisconsin, located on the shores of Lake Michigan in Mequon, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, is an institution that is committed to excellence in learning, but at the same time realizes that excellence in itself is insufficient without development in vocation. 
We believe that God works through our vocations, our callings, in order to serve the needs of those around us. The mission statement of Concordia University puts it this way, Concordia University, Wisconsin is a Lutheran higher education community committed to helping students develop in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and the world. You can learn more about the over 70 programs offered at Concordia by visiting the website, www.cuw.edu. And if you're benefiting from our Christ in Every Word podcasts, I encourage you to support this ministry by mentioning it to others and by offering your monetary support. Please consider supporting the Concordia Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on the Contribute page. And now, back to the podcast. Alrighty there, folks. We are back with our study of Genesis chapter 18. A fascinating interaction here. The Lord, the three men, one Lord, three men. And we have this meal and the washing of water and Abe and Sarah, the promise. They live by this promise, the famous tree, the promise. I mean, there's, there you go. Christianity, the whole Christian worship and life. There you have it, the church. Okay. The men here are referenced again in, in verse 22, where we start reading about this intercession that Abe does on behalf of Sodom. I mean, that alone is worth thinking about, right? The fact that Abe would even go with them. It's Sodom. It's the six o'clock news stuff. Just let it go. Just let it go. That's, it's finally their time to pay. Let them have it. No, Abe goes with them. Abe goes with them. In fact, uh, so the men turned from there. This is verse 22, if you're tracking along. Went toward Sodom, but Abe stood still before the Lord. He's, he stops. I mean, they can just keep going on. Um, And yet the Lord, the Abe goes with, Lord allows Abe to go with. Should I even hide? I don't even, should I, even, should I hide from? I don't even know if I want him to see all this. And yet the Lord, <laughs> go ahead and go with me, Abe. You can come with me. And you can also, you can also intercede. You can also nudge me around a little bit. You can also persuade me. Say one word, and I'm road to Emmaus, right? It kind of reminds me of you know that he acted, he acted as if he was going farther, and they just say abide with us. And in the literal, as Luke writes it in the Greek, his words preva- uh, their words prevailed over him. I got somewhere to go. You got me. I got to go way over that. Stay with it. You got me. That's all he had to say. I'm a total pushover. Abe goes with the Lord. He stands still. He's the one. I, who's running the show here? The Lord is, right? But Abe stands still. Everybody stands still. Like when the Lord touches the, the beer of the coffin, everybody everybody stands still. Road to Emmaus. Uh, what things are you talking about? Everybody stands still. Halts everything. But Abe's the one. Abe's the one that stands still. Everybody, he stops the whole thing. Abe draws near. Ah, man, it sounds like Esther or somebody going to the king. When, oh, my goodness, are you, can you even do that? Is this the kind of God, are you going to be fried Mount Sinai style? Are you going to be shot? You know, this kind of. Abe stood still. He draws near and says, will you indeed, I mean, this. have you been first spoken to, Abe? No, he fires away. 
Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you sweep them away and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. That's a fascinating Abe intercedes, he initiates initiates the dialogue, he repeats himself, which is why the prayers of the church are repetitive. Every Sunday we pray for the governmental officials. Every Sunday we pray for the infirm, the shut-ins, the hospitals. Every summer, every summer, every Sunday we pray for the for the light to shine upon those who sit in darkness, for the wayward, those who have gone astray. And so Abe's language is repetitive as well. Far be that from you, O Lord. Far be it from you. The good shepherd, you're still seeking out that lost sheep. We know it. Don't forget about that lost sheep. Seek him out yet again. Seek her out yet again. Shall not the And he appeals to his character. O Lord, you are gracious and merciful. Should you not do what is just? You are gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. When David sinned, he prayed at the beginning of Psalm 51, have mercy upon me, O Lord, according to how much money I gave to charity, according to five better years of living, according to your mercy, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, your steadfast love, mercy. The Lord, David appeals to his name, his character, who you are. And so does Abe, and so do we, the church, throughout the ages, appeal to what God has revealed of himself, who he is, what his character is. You are just and merciful. So you see, you note vexation, you see the kind of horrors that are on the 6 o'clock news. You see what's being done to our littlest neighbor in the womb. You know what this culture is up to when it comes to sexuality, gender, all the stuff, everything. Just throw it all. You will do what is just. Should you sweep away the whole place if 50 are righteous in it? And he says, nope, I'll spare the... And Abe says, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. So 45 now. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. And again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are there. So for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, Lord, let, don't be angry. And I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Suppose, behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak again, but this once, suppose ten are found there. He answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abe, and Abe returned to his place. Absolutely great. 45, 40, 30, 20, 10, you get the point here. This is not, it is not the nature of the Lord to just look at the whole situation before creation and say, I love these people, I hate these people. That's not the way it goes. I choose these, I reject those. He takes no delight in the death of the wicked. Abe intercedes again and again and again. 
And you might as well take this all the way, you, you know, suppose 40, were the, suppose 30, suppose 20, suppose 10 righteous, would you do it? The Lord says no every single time. He'll spare the whole place. He'll grant more time, more time, more time, more time for repentance, more nudges through whatever those opportunities, occasions for repentance might be. More time, more patience, more long-suffering. Suppose 30, suppose 20, suppose 10. Sounds like you could just go and say also, suppose one righteous person was found not in the city of Sodom, but in between heaven and earth mediating for a sinful humanity. Would you spare that sinful humanity for the sake of the one who is purely righteous on our behalf. For the sake of that one, I will not destroy it, the Lord says. And thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, his Son, that righteous one, our Lord. Great stuff here, Genesis 18. Tune in next time when we tackle uh, the next chapter. The mission of the Concordia Bible Institute is to provide Christ-centered Bible instruction from distinguished experts who teach Christ in every word of the Old and New Testaments to strengthen faith and spread belief in the one true God. Again, if you benefit from this podcast series, I encourage you to consider supporting the Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on our Contribute page. Until next time, my friends, I'm Dr. Brian Gurman, wishing you all God's blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.